welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Welcome back to the show. This week's episode features Joan Sutton. She is the CEO and founding partner of 707 Flora. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured the founder of Fittish CBD Skincare, Jenna Owens. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to be here with Joan Sutton. She is the CEO and founding partner of 707 Flora. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. So um, full disclosure for our listeners, Joan is a client of Base Beauties, and we're so excited to help shepherd her business growth forward. Um, and I'm so glad, Joan, that you are excited to be on the show. We are so excited to and look forward to um, partnering with you in a lot of different ways. So Joan, um, let's go back in time, way, way, way back in time um, for my first question, which is my favorite question on the show, um, since our whole show is about career journey. If someone asked your 11-year-old self, what do you want to be when you grow up? What is your answer? Uh, Well, I always wanted to be a veterinarian because I love animals. And then I quickly realized that as a veterinarian, you see the sick animals. And I'm so sensitive and it would always break my heart So when any animal is sick. So I decided that wasn't the journey for me. And when I was in high school, um, we used, uh, my girlfriends and I, they were, we were all using these uh, CoverGirl compacts. And so we all got, went to the store and got them. And then I saw my, uh, an older friend's sister had a Lancome um, compact. And I looked at the cover girl and I looked at the Lancome and I was like, wow, there was something about the click that it made when it closed. And there was just this luxurious um, packaging and it was shiny and the sponge that it came with. And that's when I knew, and I was, um, I think I was 16 years old um, and I had just started working and that compact at that time was $20 and the CoverGirl um, compact was $3. And I literally got a job because I said, I have to get this compact. And that's where I started falling in love with beauty and realized that um, I couldn't not do it for a living um, because I was obsessed with it and really noticed all the details and loved everything about that. Well, what was that job at 16 that propelled you to get that beautiful compact? (laughs) Washing dishes at a pizza place (laughs) for $3 an hour. (laughs) So I had to work, what, like by the time taxes were out, like a full shift, right, for that one compact. But it was so worth it. I love hearing first job stories. My first job was babysitting at age 13. I made so much money babysitting, and I can't believe that people would let me stay home as a 13-year-old with their children, some of which were in like cribs (laughs) and I knew nothing. But it's so fun to have a job as a teenager and, um, you know, earn your money for the things you want. Absolutely. I've always been that way. And um, I was looking through recently some old, um, my mom used to save all of the work we did in kindergarten and, and things in elementary school. And I found a report I did Literally, I think I was in the second grade and it was all about how I wanted to work and how a career was so important to me and it would give me the freedom to have what I want. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe at such a young age that I was already thinking about that. And for me, I feel so lucky that I 
found that, um, fell in love with beauty at such a young age while I was in high school. And so it's never really been like work to me. It's always been, um, I've been so passionate about it, whether it's making, you know, I'm a product developer, so I make for other people and now for myself, my own brand. And it's just, it's like, to me, like Disneyland as a child working in the beauty industry, I am obsessed and I work a lot and I love every second of it. Well, let's go back in time to your first job in beauty. Um, How did you get that first job and where was it? I worked for Lancome Cosmetics, which was funny. And I had a job, um, I was 19 years old and I had a job in the mall working for Victoria's Secret. And I ran into, I would always look at the cosmetic girls that had worked at the time it was a department store that's no longer around, but like equivalent to like a Macy's. And the cosmetic girls, the Lauder girls and the Lancome girls would all sit together. And I was like, God, I want to be them. And it just seemed such like such a big dream. And um, anyway, I befriended them. And when there was an opening, the time um, for me, it came time for me to interview. And and I was so excited. And it's funny because the person who interviewed me on that day, um, I'm still very close friends with, and she has been a mentor for me and has helped me throughout my career. And I've known her, I'm 51 now, so I've known her for over 30 years. And she's been an incredible resource, friend, and mentor for me. So I feel very lucky. That's so cool. Do you want to give her a shout out? Sure. It's um, Kimber Matarazzo, and she owns her own company, but she's done um, so much for my career, and she's a real force to be reckoned with in the beauty industry. So it sounds like the interview went well and you got that job. Yes, I got that job. And um, I was in within six months, she promoted me to the business manager. Six months after that, I got another promotion. So it was really, I had found my niche and I was so happy and I grew with her. And then when it came time, um, she, so she was also growing in her career and she got a big promotion and then she ended up leaving the company and I was devastated because this was who I wanted to be. I looked at her like, oh my gosh, if that could only be me. And so she left and I lost contact with her for a few years. I was still with Lancome and she came back and said, I'm working for this new brand. They're an amazing company. I think you'd be perfect. Will you come work? And I was like, "Um, okay, is it a, what kind of job is it? And she said, it's for a spa in Beverly Hills. And um, they're really great with skincare. And I said, okay. So I said, sure, of course, if you're saying it, I definitely, it's of interest. So I went in and um, met Ida Tibion and interviewed with her. And she is a very, she's the grand dame of beauty. She was like, for those of you who don't know who she is, she's from the 70s, Eastern European, who really started um, the spa industry in the US um, in the early 70s. Anyway, so I met with her and it was this little spa. And I thought, how much do they sell? Because I was used to the hustle and bustle of a department store. And she said they, the, the, you know, sales or what she told me was like more than what we were doing in the department store. And I said, on those shelves? And I said, okay. I just kind of closed my eyes and said, I trust you. You've never steered me wrong. I went like this and, you know, covered my eyes and was holding her hand. Just said, all right, let's do it. And 
literally that was the best move I made in my entire career because that gave me the foundation to everything I know. And working for Ida Tibiant was like getting a PhD in beauty because she was also not only product developing and had her spa, which retail and service, but she also was a manufacturer. So that was opened up the whole world for me of manufacturing and product development. And that's really what, um, what it really was the impetus to my whole career now and to me even having my own brand. How wonderful that, you know, this human to human connection that you had with your, your first boss um, really grew and blossomed into this like amazing career and just like trusting people and, you know, just riding the wave and how, how it um, can lead to such opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm all about relationships and I really feel that I like to pay it forward. So when I have someone who comes to me and is really interested in beauty, you can tell who's who's willing to put into the work and who's not. I, you know, there were a time where I had three jobs. You know, I grew up very humbly and not with a lot of money. So everything I've built, I've built on my own. And like I said, it was always a pleasure for me to work. So if I worked seven days a week, it was no big deal. It was always my focus. And so when I find somebody who has that kind of drive, I'm, I take them under my wing and only hope that I can give them some sort of guidance or help that I was lucky enough to receive from Kimber and then ultimately Ida Tibiant, who took me under her wing. And that was just like, that was the biggest win of all for me in the beauty industry to be able to work with her and learn from her was just incredible. So what was um, the the biggest difference you saw in the retail experience in the department store versus in Ida's spa where, you know, um, you, you mentioned it didn't look the same, right? It didn't have the characteristics right. of like, you know, um, fancy beauty merchandising. Well, I will say that um, there's not a better job to start out in the beauty industry than behind the counter. I always call it the front line of the beauty industry. You're like the Marines. You are working for that sale. That is somebody that you're grabbing off the floor that maybe um, is walking by. You've got, you've got goals to meet. You've got pressure. You've got brands to compete with. Um, and you have gift with purchase, which is a whole big thing. We started this whole pre-sale thing where you're selling before you even have the gift. The pressure is incredible. The competition is fierce, and um, and and there's a there's a lot of competition. So you got to really work for it. When you're in the spa, it's a little bit different. You have women that are making appointments to do facials or body treatments or hair. We were full service, so we did it all. And they're already investing in their beauty. So they're, and they're in Beverly Hills, so they're paying top dollars. So they're buying, um, you know, a facial for two, $300. So of course I would tell the estheticians, cause I was, I was manager of the spa and I would tell them you, you have to sell them products. And the estheticians would say, I don't talk about the products. They were all with their accents, very European. I do not sell the products. I'm an artist. And I said, and I would always, it was always a battle to say, listen, you have this captive audience. They're investing into their skincare. You are their guru for skincare. If you don't sell them skincare, not only you're doing them a disservice, it's your job to tell them what you want, but you're also losing a sale because somebody who spends $200 for a facial is gonna go down the street to Neiman's or Barney's or whatever, and they're gonna buy skincare because they're not, not using an eye cream or a cleanser or a mask. So you can take the sale or you can give it away. So it was really the challenge 
wasn't getting the business. The challenge was um, motivating the staff and really um, incentivizing them beyond commission because money always doesn't talk, but really empowering them with, you know, it's your job and the customers are going to appreciate you more because you'll be able to, um, they'll be using the skincare for 30 days. They come back to you once and they see a big improvement. So you're actually helping them improve their skin. So I think that was the biggest challenge is it was um, their bigger sales because they're buying into the whole regimen. So they want these amazing results from their facial to last. So you're getting bigger sales and, um, and more loyal clients in a spa, but your battle is getting the people to sell it. In the department store, you have the people to sell it that are fiercely on top of each other. We'd call them sharks, right? They're, everybody's trying to make the commission. Everybody's, you know, trying to do that, but there's not as much business and you fight for the loyalty of the customer. It's not built in. So there were two very different um, business models. And like I said, anybody who starts behind the counter, I always have a huge amount of respect for. And as time goes by, brick and mortar and department stores are even harder to sell in. So I have a huge amount of respect. It is not an easy job. When you um, spoke about the reluctance of the estheticians to sell, it made me think of myself and my own journey. So I didn't start my own agency to be a salesperson. Like I, I didn't even know what that meant. But, um, you know, as the founder of the company, as you know, Joan, you're a salesperson now too, right? So, um, but I was so uncomfortable with it. And someone who is a great salesperson, Erin Sesuerda, so shout out to Erin. Um, she sells things that are not related to beauty, but she's a talented salesperson. She said, Jody, you have something that they really need. So you just need to tell them that you have it and you can help them. And when she told me that, once I sort of repositioned what selling is, it made me so excited for it. And then I understood that it's fun. And I would imagine that once the esthetician heard your advice, which is like, they can they can get the best products from you or they can go down the street and get something you don't even know what they're buying. And I would imagine it probably changed their minds. It absolutely did. And it was a huge um, breakthrough for the business. And I did very well there because of my philosophy. Because for me, I am so excited and enthusiastic about the products that I make, about beauty in general, or even if it's not my product, but I see something that's so cool, I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to tell everybody about it. So for me, um, the selling is just comes from my heart because I love it and I want to share it. And I think that the estheticians started getting some of that. It was It's infectious too, right? You create a momentum where you're at. So I was creating that momentum of excitement. We have the best skincare, but then also showing them the payoff. And ultimately when they saw the results based on what they were making after they have had that little flip in their brain, that it really did help. And it was, it changed our total, it changed our business completely. Well, I want to talk about all these, um, legendary um, places where you worked, but I, I kind of want to jump ahead to a story I read about you that talked about um, rekindling an old flame <laughs> led you to <laughs> 707 Flora. So since our show is about career journey, but personal journey also, I need to hear this story. <laughs> it is a crazy story. So my business partner, um, Wesley Titus, is um, somebody that I dated when I was in my early 20s. And I am, was working for Lancome Cosmetics at the time. So really early 20s. I think I was barely 
I don't know, 21, 22, something like that. Anyway, so we dated for, um, you know, off and on for a few years and then um, just lost contact and our lives went, you know, separate places. And so we just, it was one of those things. We were in our early 20s. So then cut to, I don't know, 20 years later, I get this message from Facebook that it's from Wesley and it says, hey, is this Joan Sutton? I was like, yeah, this is me. And it was just so funny to reconnect after all those years. Um, and so we went, we talked on the phone that night, literally. I have it on my, I screenshotted it because I couldn't believe it. We talked for four hours. I sent it to my two best friends, roommates at the time. I was like, oh my God, can you believe that I got in contact with Wesley Titus? And it was just like this weird thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, we went out like within that week and it was, it's very odd to have um, somebody in your life that's new because you haven't been in contact with them for 20 years, but at the same time is so nostalgic like family. Um, but he is the whole reason why I even started the brand because I don't think I would have had the nerve or courage to do it um, by myself. Um, but what happened was he took me to, he, he had been in the cannabis industry, I always joke and say for longer than he should have been. He's got as much um, cannabis experience as I have beauty, so it's a long time. And so he took me to uh, an event, it's kind of cliche, it was on 420, and it was a, a cannabis cup. And I thought, I don't know if I really want to go. Like, even though cannabis was a part of my life, it's always been sort of, I've been like a closet cannabis person. I've always been a career person, super motivated and, you know, people judge you all the time. So I always kept that separate. So I thought, I don't know if I want to go like, okay, we'll go. It'll be, I'll be, why not? And so he took me there and he's really connected. Like he is the golden key to the cannabis kingdom. He knows everybody. So there's all these, there's all these awards, which are very scientific and technical. And he introduced me, he introduces me to these guys who were these award winners that were doing extractions. So we start talking about um, terpenes, which terpenes is a, a, the chemical constituent that makes flavor and fragrance. And I'm very familiar with them because I've worked with a lot of, developed a lot of fragrances in my time. And it's the same, you get them, you can get terpenes from basil, from lemon, there can be synthetic, or you can get them from cannabis, which gives it that smell. Like we all know about that skunky kind of smell. That's terpenes at work. And there's a lot of different kinds. Anyway, so we started getting into this huge discussion about terpenes. And I was saying, oh, that's what we use for, you know, we use CO2 critical extraction for um, oils from plants and basil and we get the limonene and linalool. And they were just like blown away. Like I had sort of revealed, it was like Oz behind the curtain. I had revealed all of this stuff because I thought, you know, they thought this was all new for cannabis. And I said, no, it's been around since the 1800s, since Gatfosse and aromather aromatherapy has been around forever. So, um, so then I educated them a little bit about some of the equipment that they use, the processes. And I was just like, oh my God, I was so happy to have this really meaty conversation about terpenes of all things. I never would have expected it. So then, you know, Wesley at the same time is just kind of standing back and his wheels are turning going, okay, this is like a good thing here. And then I start to see a couple of brands around that are um, more pain relief because it was cannabis, so it was THC. And, um, and that was it. After that, I think both of our heads were spinning. And I thought, you know, I never in my life wanted to have a brand. I've developed literally probably a thousand products to market. And I never wanted to have my own brand because I know 
too much. I know how much money it takes. I know the effort that goes in. I know the competition, all of it. And I thought, why would I want to do that? Because I don't have this, I'm not independently wealthy to just start a brand because it's fun and I want one and I like product. There was also nothing like drawing me to it. Like the world doesn't need another skincare line. It doesn't need, but after Wesley took me to this convention, I thought, wow, this is a game changer. This is gonna fundamentally change skincare. And I wanna be at the forefront because I love cannabis. I love skincare. I love Wesley. This is a perfect match for us. And, and that's how it started. And that was at the beginning of 2017 long before the farm bill passed. And um, so two weeks later, I put my house on the market. I had it for 17 years in LA. So you can imagine it was a, had a lot of equity and we sold that house. I bought a house together with Wesley up in Humboldt County to really embed our, myself into the cannabis culture. He knows it well, but I'm, I was the newbie. And just learned everything out about it from the dirt, literally the soil. We are have a farm in Humboldt and I, my mom jokes and calls me Green Acres because I'm a city girl, but I've quickly learned the way of the country and there's nothing more special than being connected to the plant and seeing the magic and the possibilities that it can bring to um, the world, um, not just in skincare, but in a lot of different ways. But but that's how that all started. It, like It's just been a incredible journey and I feel very blessed and lucky for all the way everything happened. It's such a great story, Joan. And I'm having this moment where I'm thinking about Sliding Doors. Do you remember that movie? With yes. I oh my God. Like, obsessed with can that you, movie. Can you imagine if you guys just, if no one mentioned the word terpene during that conversation, like we wouldn't, we might not be having this conversation right now. Like, you know, it's just like all the things coming together, right? Facebook, Wesley, this event, someone saying this word, having this conversation. It's just, it's incredible. It really is. And I very much live that in the moment, try to live in the moment. And also, you know, I try to take responsibility for where I'm at in my life. It's all, a, you know, a culmination of these different decisions that we've made. And um, I feel like it's the right, it's the right place. It's the right time. And I do feel like things happen that are meant to be. And also it's been incredible. I mean, Wesley and I are continue to work on more things. Um, he's doing some incredible things with cannabis. So he'll, he'll be expanding the line to more THC, you know, down the road. We're working on that. It takes a while, obviously, but that's going to be really exciting. And we're going to be breaking boundaries and doing it together and having so much fun on the way. And um, who wouldn't think that I would be like on a farm, like with, you know, all the dirt and animals and every wildlife and everything. But honestly, I, I couldn't be happier and I feel healthier and I just, it, it all feels really good. So now, Joan, you're in Ida's shoes, right? She was running the business. It, it sounds like it was a business with a lot of different trajectories, a lot of different ways to make money. It sounds like you're actually setting the same thing up for yourself in this moment. Um, what do you recall from your time working with her that's, um, you know, really helping you uh, navigate this for yourself? Oh, my gosh, so much. Every day I think about her. We were close. Um, I was like a daughter to her. She never had a daughter. I remain very close with her son, Patrick Tibiant. Um, But there's, um, there's so many things. There's relationships are always important. I think one of the things that I always take from her is that 
she was a guru. I mean, literally she had studied in the fifties in France at the forefront of skincare, made so many revolutionary discoveries. And she always, every year would go to different um, events at the Society of Cosmetic Chemists and travel around the world. And anything that would come up, she'd go, oh, I wanna go to this. Oh, I wanna go to this. And I'm thinking, really, another sunscreen convention? And she's like, you know, never mind. It happens a lot where it changes so fast and you've gotta be on top of it. And she always felt like she could learn something every single day. And this woman knew a lot, obviously just living the 80 whatever plus years in her life, that life experience as a woman and that journey that she went through from Europe to America and moving countries as an immigrant, but also building an empire. She built not only a beautiful spa in Beverly Hills, but a massive uh, manufacturing facility, which is one of the largest on the West Coast. So seeing her challenge herself to learn every day was humbling and really made me realize very quickly that, um, wow, this journey is only, you're at the scratch the surface of it. And, um, and so I, I try to pick that up from her and learn from other women um, every day and support women. That was one thing that was important to her was supporting other women and, um, and you know, embracing competition. When I would get upset and go, oh my gosh, they totally copied us. She's like, that's flattery. There's enough business for everyone. The pie is big enough. Beauty is huge. Do what you love, believe in yourself, do it the best you can do, and there's enough business for everyone. So it sounds like a kind of ego-free way to run a business, right? Like acknowledging that you don't know everything, that there's always something to learn. Also um, acknowledging that um, you're not really in competition with other brands, right? There's your customer will be drawn to you. Um, and that there's plenty plenty of room, like she said, um, for other brands to survive. Um, the, the ego... The, the lack of ego in that is really astounding, especially for someone who's running a business for people in Beverly Hills. Yeah, it's it's a it's a interesting thing because you have to have the confidence because you're dealing with, you know, at the time I was dealing with every celebrity that you could imagine from Cher to Madonna to like, I mean, Diana Ross, like massive, iconic, not just, you know, the day-to-day -day celebrities in LA, but really iconic people, women. And having the confidence, you know, to treat them and do the best that you can do and run that business so it's successful and have that strength and drive, but at the same time, be humble and realize, you know, not take yourself so seriously and do the, continue to do the work and continue to study and continue to challenge yourself and those around you. So um, on that theme, um, how, how do you, when you're like at the forefront of this industry, you're in, you're in the literally like the, in the neck of the woods of this business, right? You moved yourself into the zone where all this is happening. How do you keep educating when you're, yourself when you guys are actually at the, at the front, right? So it's not like you're following along at this point, right? You're really leading. So how, how do you keep evolving and educating and growing? Um, a lot of different ways. Um, for example, today there was a great uh, seminar on um, sustainability and hemp and the connection between the two. It was with the Society of Cosmetic Chemists. 
I unfortunately wasn't able to do it because I had other appointments and, and this, but I had my colleague take it who is, um, who I could call her my sustainability guru so that she could then inform me. So I put my, you know, and then if I have a marketing seminar that I can't go to, I'll send somebody to marketing. So not only I still would try to take it myself, if I was available, I would have, but if not, I have those around me um, also helping to contribute and educate me as well. Um, the other thing is with um, with Wesley up in Humboldt, we're surrounded by that is literally the cannabis capital of the world, like not just U.S., but literally of the world, like his friends um, that are all these, you know, award winners for cannabis. They go to Europe and people are asking him for autographs like that's how it's 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 very um, it's the epicenter. So there's so much when he takes me to places and when we're with different manufacturers or different farms, there's always something that I learn from those people, whether it's something about the plant or their processes or even operationally how they're doing things. It's um, I'm, I'm trying to be a sponge and watch those around me to see what they're doing and, and what might work for us and, and taking those skills and transferring them to my, our 707 Flora brand. All right. So my last question for you, and uh, maybe this is going to sound a little simple, but I think it's probably what a lot of people are thinking. Since you've developed, like you said, thousands of products through the years. So now you learn about um, the powers of CBD. What are we missing as skincare customers in our lives without CBD in our skincare? Like, you know, I ask because you're, you're falling in love with this, right? And the possibilities. So what, what have I been missing? Like, what am I lacking, I guess, by um, this kind of old, old world of skincare versus the CBD new world of skincare? Well, here's the best thing of all is that you don't have to give up anything and you can have more. And that's really what I set out to do. When we first started the brand, there were two buckets of people that were entering in this business. The skincare people that knew a lot about skincare, the things we love, delivery systems, efficacy, moisturization, anti-aging, but they don't really understand the plant. So it was like, give me some isolate, give me whatever, and I'll throw it in there because I've got to launch a product in six months because it's the hot new thing. Then you have the cannabis people, and they understand the plant better than anybody. And I... And generationally understand the planet and made homemade recipes, but lack the sophistication of um, delivery systems, formulation, um, textures and characteristics, the, the smells, the penetration, all that. So what I wanted to do is combine them both. And the reason why, and to get to your question, what have we been missing? Um, I feel like CBD is not a one hit wonder. I wouldn't just put it in a cream and say, use it, it's gonna change your life. It, it's not that. I, you still need the other things in your skincare that you're accustomed to. I'm a huge fan of hyaluronic acid, um, peptides, seaweed algaes, different types of superfood and clean ingredients for the skin. All of that's in there. But what CBD is doing to take it to the next level is it's helping to balance the skin. So CBD is a regulator, whether you're taking it internally or you're using it topically, what it is doing is it's regulating um, the cells on, on a cellular level. So inflammation is an easy um, example because it's easy to visualize. When our skin is inflamed, it gets puffy and it gets red. The CBD signals to that cell to downregulate the inflammation, so to help make it less puffy, less red. If you had um, dry skin, we have what's called an 
NMF of our skin. It's a natural moisturization factor where our skin, it's a resilient organ, is trying to moisturize itself. When that doesn't happen and we're dry and you're using CBD, it's going to try and upregulate that moisture. So it's a downregulator and upregulator for different things that are happening on the skin. So on a cellular level, so it gives your skin a balance. So if you ask me, what have you been missing in your skincare with CBD? I would say use the skincare that you love, the things, if you love peptides, I have a lot of, you know, I'm getting wrinkles now, all that. I want all that anti-aging, but using CBD will give your skin a different feeling of balance, a different softness because it's moisturizing and hydrating and, and regulating the cells on the basal layer of the skin, which is where we have CB receptors in our skin, which is how it works. So it really will give, you'll notice a certain softness that builds up into the skin. So not a softness of like, it's oilier skin, but more just soft to the touch. And maybe you're oily on your T-zone and you get more of a slip on your skin there. You're gonna notice it's gonna be a little softer, a little less oiler. So it helps to balance out that T-zone. So it helps to regulate your skin. It helps it to be normal. It helps it do what your skin is trying to do anyway, which is to be in homeostasis. And that's really what it's all about. CBD is bringing the body and the skin into balance. Okay, now my real last question. Um, Okay, so... You and Wesley are in the heart of this, working with the people who are like literally like, you know, harvesting and processing and whatnot, hanging out with the CBD superstars around the world. But um, my guess is there's a real big problem of what I guess I'll call it CBD washing, right? Like we had greenwashing where it's just like misinformation and ingredients put into products just for marketing purposes with really no efficacy. Um, How do you guys approach this idea of like a world where CBD washing is happening but you're doing it, you know, in, in the way that you think is going to create efficacy. How do you manage that? Well, there's a few different things. Um, first of all, education is hugely important. I think that um, there's so much information, like you said, misinformation and good information. So it's hard for the consumer to filter through that. I think it's our responsibility as a brand to educate as much as possible. And I think transparency is important. And with CBD, one of the things that you can, um, are, we are challenged with is um, to make sure that people can see all of the testing results. We have a special page on our website where you can type in the batch number and you can see everything about that batch, exactly what cannabinoids are in there, exactly how much CBD is in there. You you see it all. So you can see their safety testing. So I think it's really about educating the consumer, being transparent and being um, responsible, being ethically responsible. One thing I drives me crazy is that I see all of these brands that are coming out, like I said, fast to market, they're skincare people. They're like, just throw something in there. We need to put a pot leaf on the skincare so it can sell. And they're gonna put like hemp seed oil in a product. And then they put all these marijuana leaves and then they throw it on Amazon. Well, Amazon doesn't let you sell CBD. So if anything you buy off Amazon, it's not CBD or it's misinformation, first of all. Secondly, there's they're marketing it to the consumer and they're playing on this um, lack of information. It's not even ignorance because it's just lack of information that's out there making the consumer believe that they're buying a CBD product because there's a pot leaf on it and they're positioning it as that. But in reality, it's hemp seed oil, which hemp seed oil 
is great. We've been using that for 50 years in cosmetics. It's very hydrating. It's it has great fatty acids, omega-3s and 6s, gamma um, GLAs, the gamma linoleic acid. It's it's rich in that, but it's not CBD. And, and CBD is what is actually regulating the skin. And that's so you're not going to get that same benefit. So that's what drives me crazy about it is hemp seed isn't bad, but don't trick the consumer because then it makes us have to not only educate people, but re-educate people. And that's that's a challenge. Joe, and I am so grateful for your wisdom. I am, I mean, we could talk for hours, I know for sure, because we've done it. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing with us and my listeners today. Oh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Joan. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.